Our guest this episode is... No, Sharon- that's my bit, Mum. That's my bit. No, that's Shut my it. bit. How, Rick, go you say hello. Oh, my God, you two are so similar <laughs> to me and Misty. When Misty and I get together, literally, this is what happens. And people go, oh, my God, you two are hysterical together. But we literally like... No, shut no, up. Shut no. up. It's like, I never said, you did it. Well, what are you looking at me like that for? I'm literally going, oh my God, that's what, I, that's what people see when they look at us. <laughs> Hi there, I'm Lorraine. And I'm Rosie and welcome to our What If podcast. I'm so looking forward to our guest. I love her. It's Charlene Spiteri from the band Texas, of course. You know what? They've sold over... 40 million records and some mm. racking songs. I mean, you love them. I don't want a lover. That's a cracker, isn't oh, it? I like God. the... Um, oh, it's a cracker. Say what you want. <gasps> say what you want. Maybe we shouldn't do that. When well, the thing is, Rosie, that, that's the thing is, that is your, that's at the point where you're probably getting taken on the school run. Do you know what I mean? You know, some people think that's our first album, White on Blonde. So it's, it's great because we've constantly kind of like got these almost like benchmarks within our career of suddenly another audience comes on board and then another audience comes on board. And that that feels really good because to me, I'm sitting here and I'm like, you know, 54 years old and you're a young woman and I'm thinking, God, I can't even believe that you know one of my songs, <laughs> never mind an album. <laughs> but we do, we do, we do. It's so, so good to see you. Thank you for joining us. And oh, it's a pleasure. Do you know when I was looking, your parents... Fascinating, yeah. absolutely fascinating. Because um, your dad was in the merchant navy; he must have been away a lot. And, and but he played Thank guitar. Thank God. Didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I think my mum would have divorced him years ago if he had to be away a lot. I mean, there's a lot to be said in a marriage for a man that's three months away, one month back. <laughs> <laughs> and your mum as well, you know, she she sang, didn't she? And she's a creative person. My mum did. Yeah, she grew up in Glasgow. Um, was an amazing jiver, had a massive knee injury, was a window dresser, a great seamstress. And, you know, when she was window dressing, she was always, like, having us in the house, making things at night, like, just, like, the whole living room covered. And my dad was away at sea. And for that reason, you know, we just had this amazing, my sister, my mum and I just had this amazing relationship because we spent so much time, the three of us, together. But my mum's whole family sing, literally, Everybody sings and uh, my mum was very into jazz and blues and, you know, introduced me to all those greats like Ella Fitzgerald, Mahalia Jackson and all that stuff. So I grew up with that amazing background and knowledge in music when, when I, at a really young age. Oh, that's amazing. We used to have parties like that, Rosie, when it, and everybody would have to do their party piece. Mm. Oh, yes. Yeah, my mum used to get so nervous when she had to Did do she? Yeah, yeah. Oh, because, again, you know, our family, were, were, a lot of them are really, really good singers and you couldn't yeah. get them to really? fit down. Yeah. Uh, Uncle Billy was really? really good. Uh-huh. Really good. Auntie Lena. Great Auntie, she'd be your great Auntie Lena. Yeah, they all My great Uncle Billy as well. Great Uncle Billy, of course. Oh I my forget. God. But that was a thing that you did, didn't you? It was really good. So you Yeah, just... I mean, it was nothing, it was nothing unusual. And for me, I never imagined that I would go into music just because I kind of thought that's what people in London did. You know, it was kind of right. like, I mean, you, you know that with journalism and I guess you probably thought, oh, you feel like you're just reaching out further mm-hmm. when you grow up in Scotland because it just seems that little bit more removed than it would normally if you were in a big like you know the big smoke like London but you know me and my cousin Mark Rankin who's was a singer and, and songwriter in Gun 
um, another successful band, mm. and we are first cousins, and literally we grew up together. That's brilliant, isn't it? Mm. It really is. You were you were working as a, a hairdresser. Yes. What if you hadn't? Got the band together. <laughs> would you? Do you think you'd still be doing? Because that's a creative job. Of course it is. Would I loved you, it. I loved yeah. hairdressing. I really loved doing hairdressing, and it was Glasgow. I worked at Irvin Rusk, which was a really trendy hairdresser. Yeah, I remember was, that. Yeah, mm-hmm. Irvin Rusk on West Nell Street, super trendy. Um, I was um, at Saturday classes at Glasgow School of Art at that point, and I needed a bit of cash to be able to buy my inks and bits and pieces you know everything was like I'm going to art school I'm going to art school Mm -hmm. I'm going to art school that was what it was all about it was about getting to art school and I ended up getting this job in Irvine Rusk's the Saturday Junior because they had a sculpture in the the window a Pagliacci sculpture I remember remember that I remember that do you remember it with the paintbrush and then the big black and white I used to polish that I cleaned that a million times (laughs) did you because I must have seen that a million times oh my god you probably saw me in the window with my probably did with my Catherine Hamnet boiler suit, which was our uniforms, I would have been 15. And, you know, I, I had the confidence of a 15-year-old and I was just like, you know that thing when they said, I've got a terrible habit when people say to me, can you do that? I go, yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything. You know, somebody can say to me, could you change the engine in a car? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, no problem. I, I don't know why I do it, but I do it and then I just think... I'll say yeah, and then I'll try and work it out once I've once I've got the job or I've got the whatever. I had a great time working at Irvine Rusks. You know, I I think it really helped me in what I do now because I I was very quiet, believe it or not, at school. I was very quiet, and you know, suddenly being in a place where you're like chatting away and there was mixtapes getting made up and I get taken under the wine by the older hairdressers and older juniors like they would take me out on a Saturday and a Sunday night <laughs> Do you ever think if you didn't have that job and you were at school being quiet what you would have done? And I've never ever wondered what I would have done all I knew is that I had to get out of school because I found school really difficult I struggled because I was I was really badly bullied my parents moved from Glasgow when I was just when I went into primary seven and everything was great in primary seven, suddenly went into secondary school mm. and I had a Glasgow accent, which was very different from Baloch. And it was horrible. I mean, it was brutal. But a lot of that bullying and stuff that happened at that point in my life has made me the person that I am and, and has, I guess, really made me very definite in an industry that is, you know, the music industry, which is very bullying and it's very male-dominated. And a woman fronting a a band, it was quite unusual at the time. It wasn't that long ago. But did you ever feel that way at the time, that you were on your own? I have never felt on my own, ever. The only time I felt on my own was when I was at school. I literally felt like an alien. I was like, who are these people? What am I doing here? Mm. And then suddenly when I went out into being a Saturday junior, going to art school, and, and suddenly I was like, oh, wow, I'm with my people. You know, I really yep. found my fate. And suddenly it was like I came alive. It's like as if I'd been suppressed for a long, long time. And, you know, there was great things that I learned at school. I had a wonderful teacher called, teacher called Mr Gillespie, who taught me something. He was a maths teacher and he taught me something in maths that literally 
I couldn't ever imagine when he taught me it then is something that I use basically every day in my life. And it was like, okay, when you look at a problem, break the problem down, section it off, start there and work it out, you know, as you go along. And then when you've got the full picture, you're like, okay, and there's the answer. Oh, I like and, that. Yeah, that is, that's it was amazing. invaluable, isn't it? So it was, it was that and the idea of being able to work things out on my own. It was really freeing. Mm. It's interesting, though, about the whole sort of music business because you are gorgeous. You know, that you are. No, I know you're making a face now because you're, you're so, like, Scottish and you won't take a compliment. But you, you are gorgeous. <laughs> but the thing about you is you've got absolutely no vanity whatsoever. You haven't. I don't oh, think you have. Oh, trust me, I have. I a mean, sometimes bit? I'll, oh, God, sometimes I'll look. I mean, seriously, have you seen my profile? <laughs> oh, my God, you never want to get me on a side view. It's literally like, oh, no, 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 no. But you know so, how back back when you were first starting, you were really unusual. And I remember thinking, this is so refreshing because you're you're gorgeous, but you're not conforming to the usual stereotype of a woman in music. Did you ever come under any sort of pressure for people to say, could you just put on a bit of lippy? Or could you just, you know, could you dress in a certain way or, or anything? Or have your hair in a certain way or anything like that? Or were you able? Yeah. I can't imagine anybody ever saying that to you. And Oh, no, it was said. You know, it was definitely was it? said. Oh, yeah, it was said. Um, you know, it was a bit like, oh, she's a bit unsexy. I mean, literally blatant. Like, oh, she's not very sexy though, is she? Or she's, Did they say that to your face? Bit, or, or the other one would be like, Oh, she's a lesbian, isn't she? Do you know I mean? Because <laughs> I've got short hair. Like, Jesus. I mean, seriously, I mean, you would have thought it was like, I mean, it was like, what, we in the 50s? Yeah. What mm. are we talking about here? I mean, we're talking about not even that long ago. No, it wasn't. You know, there was a lot of women that influenced me as I was kind of, because I, I don't know, Rosie, if you feel this way, but I was like, because I had dark hair as well, you know, it was it was always like my sister's a lot fairer than me and everything, and I was always like the little one with the dark hair and just being like, yeah. <laughs> and um, especially a lot of like big female stars at that point, they were all glamorous and mm. beautiful and glossy and blonde with loads of hair, and I was just like, well, okay, I don't fit into that, and I'm never going to be that. It's just not in me. It's not in my DNA. I don't move that way. I don't smile that way. I don't do any of that. I don't want to be famous. I want to be known as a songwriter. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm going to be the band. I don't want to be a solo artist. I want to be the band. Because in a band, I'm like, this is about a band. Yeah. Um, and, and then everything else I've kind of just made up as I've gone along. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like a plan. But it's interesting what you were saying, Rosie, about being, you know, being the, the front woman of a band like like Texas um, would be so different from being on your own or being in a girl band. It, it's yeah. completely different, isn't it? Yeah. Did you become like one of the boys or how did that work? I'm wondering about those early days, you know, no. what it was like. I didn't become one of the boys because I never allowed it. I am a fellow musician. You know, the thing is, like my brother's. Yeah. You know, we've grown up, we've grown up, we've been marriages, divorces, children, everything. We've gone through everything. They are my family. We fight, we love each other, we argue, we scream, we laugh. It's it's all the things that go along. But I've never wanted to be one of the blokes because I'm not a bloke, I'm a woman. 
Yeah. Mm. And and I don't think you need to be one or the other. It's that thing where, no, I'm 100%, I, I want to be treated um, respectfully and in a way that I see fit. Mm. And I'll demand it every time. Good. <laughs> I think you should, <laughs> definitely. Do you think it would be different if you'd started now rather than when you did? To me, I think it's worse. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I think it's worse is because everybody that's out there, the little tiny percentage, the little tiny percentage, which is small, but boy, oh boy, oh boy, it has such an impact on women within industry mm-hmm. of, you know, if there's someone in a very high up place who's basically saying, nope, we'll not give them the, the same opportunities will not give them the same pay and we will not give them the same kudos when they actually do achieve what they've achieved. Rosie wanted to ask you about... (gasps) Alan Rickman. Oh Oh my God. In the video for In Demand. How did this happen? Well, do you know what? It was one of those things, a bit like when I say I make it up as I go along. Basically, uh, we were in Abbey Road recording and we had a video meeting and Vaughn Arnell was the, the video director and Vaughn says, you should, do, you should do a video, like, but you should dance in it. <laughs> uh, and I was like, yeah, but come on, what, what are you going to get me some good looking model type to like, what am I going to dance? And he went, yeah, but you should dance the tango. And I said, oh, well, if I'm going to dance the tango... I need to dance the tango with someone that you would believe would dance the tango. Mm-hmm. And we were taught, and we were sitting and everybody was going, who would dance the tango? And a couple of names come up and they went, we were like, nah, they'd never dance the tango. And at that point, Michael came and the orchestra, um, orchestra came in because we had done a thing at the UN with Michael. And Michael walked in and he, Michael was the guy that did all the sound for Prince of Thieves. Ah, so which, oh. uh, which Alan is in? Stole that um, movie. With Kevin Coyne, so good as the sheriff of Nottingham. So, <laughs> he's he's just got that unbelievable campness to oh, him. I mixed I with it. oh, it's just so good. It's so good. And basically, he walked in and he was. Oh, I heard you guys were in. I just wanted to come and say hello, um, to see what you're up to. And I said, "Oh, did it?" He says, "I was just on the phone." To my friend who's a massive, massive Texas fan, Alan Rickman. And I'm not kidding you, the room literally <laughs> went, and everybody went, Alan Rickman would dance the tango. And that was how it yes. happened. That's good so timing, I, though. Yeah. What if you were talking about something else? I know. I know. I know. It was, listen, fate sometimes has a very strange way of mm. making things happen. And you know, it was even funnier when we were shooting the in-demand video, we were in the trailer getting all ready and everything. Alan's sitting in one seat and I'm sitting in the other seat getting my makeup done and we're chatting. And he said, he says, I says, oh, what are you up to the moment? What are you doing? What are you filming? And he says, he says, have you ever heard of these um, Harry Potter books? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you know that thing where I was like, well, unless I was living under a rock, (laughs) uh, you know, it was like, but Alan was just the most fabulous, kind, funny. He was a wonderful, wonderful human being. You know, he'd phone up. I mean, that's the only time that, well, not the only time, but there's a couple of times, a couple of things have happened. But when my daughter was like, when she was really young, her and her pal were in the car and I was driving and Alan called me. 
And he was like, hello, shot in that beautiful voice. Beautiful. And literally kids went, hey, snake. And I was like, shut up. So, yeah, it was quite funny. Oh, but you must be, you must be a cool mum to your Misty. Oh, you're joking? No. No, 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 no. no. See, I would say that to you, Rosie. I'd be like, your mum's cool. Oh, no. But what do you Do you think I'm cool? You do not. You're cool. You're cool. You have your moments. See, I love that. Exactly. We have our moments. I think Misty would probably say the exact same. Like, actually, she's not going to tell me that I'm cool. Right. Unless someone put her on the spot. But I think she thinks, you know what, my mum's all right. She can be a bit mental at times, mm-hmm. especially when I have, like, like when I have a really Scottish moment where I go off on a tangent and literally, like, when she got knocked down. Oh, um, that was awful, wasn't it? That was oh, yeah, terrible. it was awful, but literally I went professionally Scottish because when I got there, after I had checked all the bones, because she was at um, college and like, a few of the teachers are there in the office, and I went, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I was like, touch, touch. And I was like, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? And she went, Mum, honestly, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm I'm absolutely fine. And then I went, oh, when I breathed, because I, I don't think I'd breathed, like, the whole run of the school. And then I breathed. And then I went, were you on that bloody phone? And off I went. <laughs> and I went, you're on that phone. And, then, and, and I could just see the teachers just going, oh, <laughs> shit. The mother's a nutter, and I was like, "Sorry about that, everyone." But yeah, that was. <laughs> but that was part relief, you know, as well. I can completely understand relief. that. For goodness' total sake, total relief. I mean, I saw the taxi outside the school, and do you know that thing where I mean, my heart stopped when I get the phone call, but when I saw the cab, I I thought I'm actually going to vomit. I thought, oh my, because I didn't know what I was walking into. Mm. I thought, oh my, but literally, like, so the cab. Um, her, was she walking? Was she? Walking down the street, or she was what she was crossing a road, right? And, right. and, I, and then I found out a few days later that actually she was looking at Sam Smith. Ah, uh, she uh-huh. saw Sam Smith, Sam Smith, and somebody went, Oh my god, there's Sam Smith! and she went like that, and she went like that, catch right. water on the road, and the cab hit her. Oh, and the windscreen was all smashed, apparently. She went right up in the air, oh, and all the windscreen and there's a big dent in the, the, the front, not you know, that thing where you just go. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! There wasn't a scratch on her. She dislocated her shoulder, and that was it. Gosh, she was lucky. She was she very was lucky. So, so lucky. lucky. Absolutely. I mean, she was literally unbelievably lucky. And I'm going to go a bit happy dippy, but my mum, we had literally come back. We'd only been back in London for one day from my mum's funeral, and to me, I was literally just going, "That's not right." That she's walking around, and that there's there's not even a there's not even a bloody nose or a, a scratch. Somebody was literally watching out for you because that's just that's just not right. Do you know that? And I phoned yep. my sister, and my sister was like, "Yeah, no, mum was watching over us. Something was going on there." And, and and you know, we were literally like, "Yeah, that was just weird," um, because she had my mum's ring on a necklace round her neck. Mm. It was just something. Do you know when just something? Yeah, you know, no, I I'm get going, that completely. I'm going all about like woo, but no, not really. Was, not, not really. There I was something get that. just didn't add up yeah mm. no it really did and listen how's your dad because obviously he's not been well too and he's you know, not he's it's, not it's great. difficult it's really difficult isn't it especially it's, over covid it's been hard it was hard it was really hard because you know my mum died just before the first lockdown and um everything changed 
but everything changed within our family life with my mum not being there. But suddenly, you know, my dad's got Parkinson's and part of the Parkinson's when he gets to a certain point, dementia starts to come in. But we had like before when Misty got knocked down that night, we left and went to the house in Wales. And that weekend was when the lockdown happened. So we were stuck in Wales. My sisters in Glasgow dealing with everything, dealing with my dad. I went to deal with my dad's anger and and we were just trying to deal with the death of our mum as well. And the one really special thing that happened is my niece had a, a little boy in that time. So suddenly there was something really nice happened within the family. There's never been a boy in our family. It's always been girls and hmm. it's always been just women. It was something that did really, really lift us as yeah. a family and losing my mum. Oh, of course it would. Of course it would. There's nothing, there's nothing like it than exactly. a, a new life. I mean, it's it's fantastic. And you said there totally. you, were, you were in Wales. Um, obviously, that's where your, your husband is from. And yeah. that's when, you know, in moments like that, that's when you really need your you know, the, the people that keep you that keep you upright, <laughs> that actually totally. help you, you know, and, and he's been amazing. I know he has been wonderful. Amazing. I mean, to have Bryn and Misty, like, for us to be together, and the dog. Of course. Mm. You know, seriously, like, animals are so comforting at any point, but oh. Jesus, did that dog comfort me when she knew I was, like, she knew I was sad. Yeah. And... You know, there was days where I just wanted to be on my own at the beginning and I was just like, do you know what, I just want to go and sit and read a book or do a catch-up on EastEnders or whatever mm -hmm. I wanted to do. And I'm so glad I had that time because I honestly, because I was supposed to go into a world tour and the release of the, the of, of the album and, and we just, when my mum got sick, we put everything on hold. We just, I literally was like, stop. And yeah. the band went, absolutely, stop everything. I wonder if you hadn't have met Bryn, are you the kind of person that would have been all right on your own, do you think? Or were you, were, yeah, were, did it just I, sort of happen with him? I mean, I just wonder, I know that seems really strange, but would no, you have been self-sufficient? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing was, is, is my mum, again, going back to my mum, my mum brought my sister and I up to be very, I mean, I was fiercely independent as even a, as a really, like as a small child. I used to have a little stool that I carried about where people would say, do you want me to, to and I'd be like, no, no, I'll get myself, if I couldn't reach something, I'd this stupid little stool. It's a little milking stool that was in my granddad's house. And I used to carry it with one leg and I'd be like, <laughs> I would like reach, you know, like light switches and, you know, I'd go to the toilet one. I'd be able to stand on it to get up to the toilet and, Everything. This stool went everywhere. I love you and, and your stool. I love my, I've got that stool. I have you that very stool. Yeah, I have the stool. My mum had it in her house. And my mum, when we bought the house in Wales, which was five five years ago, um, six years ago, in fact, when we bought that house, my mum says, I have a housewarming present for you. And she gave me the stool. Wow. Yeah. And my mum was always, you know, my, when my dad was at sea, we used to just, my sister, my mum and I had all these long talks and, we would like, oh, this, that, and the next thing. And she always said, what's you? Always make sure that you've got, you know, your own money, your uh -huh. own everything. I always said, even when I split up with Misty's dad, that it was easy for me because I didn't suddenly have to think, where am I going to live? Yeah. Mm. How am I going to survive? And I've always, always said when anybody's ever spoke about it, that pressure was never on me. The only pressure that was ever on me was like, okay, I'm now becoming a single parent. 
how do I navigate this? How do I make sure that my daughter is secure with both her parents and that it doesn't that it doesn't impact on her? I mean, I love the fact that he's a chef because do you do any cooking at all? Me? Yeah. I love to cook. Do you? Ooh. Oh, I love no, cooking. No, that's really interesting. Don't, don't you think that's yeah. really interesting? Do you guys cook together? We do sometimes. I mean, to be honest... We cooked together over lockdown. Misty cooks as well. Um, See, Rosie cooks. See all these people cooking in the house, Mum. I know. I can't. Lovely, isn't it? It is lovely. Do do you know, Lorraine, every time you say you can't cook at all, that literally, like... No, No, but I can't, genuinely genuinely can't do it, can't I not? No. No, I'm really bad. But Rosie, how bad is it? I mean, is it bad? I trusted her to put a pie in the oven and the pie came out like a black brick but that wasn't. wasn't my fault that was the oven no that was your fault it's not the, how is it the oven's fault it's your fault it's your fault <laughs> so, I'm so t- but the thing is you and dad are so good that that's not I, an excuse I feel as if just I'm as well encroaching yeah. I know. oh no you helped me last week ah you told me what to do and I chopped things up yeah yeah but, yeah, that but that's fine that's good. you're still that dead cooking was it you didn't was... enjoy it though that's the thing I don't no, think you enjoy it no I like to sit I like to sit when your dad's cooking and I sit and I have a little glass of wine and he and we chat and he cooks mm. and it's very oh nice. I like that and it's mm. nice and he does the thing that he's good at and I do the thing that I'm good at <laughs> in that situation <laughs> so it's just fine and your man as well he cooked for the queen didn't he didn't he cook for her majesty yeah, we had, we've got we've actually got a poster downstairs in the kitchen that was on the you know on the billboard things with it with the newspaper stands. It's just a bit of paper and it says Bryn cooks for Queen, oh, and it's like oh. and it's legit and and somebody came in like when when it was first up there and we've and I got it for because I just loved it because it's like a, it's an old newspaper stand thing. And somebody was like, oh, my God, did he cook for the band? And I was like that. Oh, no, Freddy. No. I'm like, no, not for that queen, for this queen. For the, this other, one. <laughs> for the other one. Easy to easy to mix them up. Easy totally. To mix them up. And you mentioned that Texas took a break, but you're back now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's funny. Like, people always think you've taken a break because you've went away and written an album. And it's like, you know, no, we were just writing an album and yeah. then everybody goes, oh, yeah, because we never saw you, we thought you weren't doing anything. It's like, <laughs> no, no, I was writing a record. <laughs> or we were, on, we were on, it's funny because the thing is, is if you're not here and like, if you're not in a certain country. Yeah. So mm. suddenly you've done all your stuff in the UK and then you go off on a world to- tour for a year and a half. People think because they've not seen you here. Yeah. They're like, well, they just must be like, sitting at home with her feet up and it's like no I was on a world tour you know we were in Australia and South Africa we were everywhere it was it was great what's your favorite place to to perform quite a hard question it's it's not it's not a hard question I always love playing Paris Paris is always Ooh. like I love I love playing in Paris just because I love Paris and France is our biggest market it's like is it really so, yeah France is our biggest market and I love I love being there but I always love going up the road. I always love playing home. Mm. I love you stay up the road. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's no, I, I love I, that. I, I, say like, the same. I do, do, I do the same. I say I'm going up the road. I, do, I, I know, yeah. going up the road is bad. <laughs> and I always forget about it because it's like, you know, when people say to me, even yeah, when I say, oh, no, I'm going up the road and, and they think, where is she going? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I mean to Glasgow. Yeah. And they go, oh, right, okay. 
could you speak English, please? I'm like, sorry. <laughs> well, I like, do that all the time. I do I all know, that time, all the time in work. I, I think of a yeah. Scottish word and you can't. I was I don't I know. know what the English is, but I don't know what the English is for throne or some of these words. I, <laughs> I used the word gallus the other night. Yeah. I don't like, know what either of doing... those are. <laughs> do What's you not? No. Oh, Thrawn is like you are it's, it's like brave and strong and determined and okay. you just kind of dig your heels in it's it's all of that yeah. okay. but in one word and what was the other one that you said Gallus 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 is kind of like no Gallus is like if somebody's Gallus they're just like super cool okay with a bit of a bit of a swagger and just being like apart, I did a really good I did a I did a thing with John Bishop and, and they do that um, thing where you pick words and Gallus was one of the words I picked, and I didn't actually know what the re- what <laughs> where it came from, but it came from to hang from the gallows as you swing, oh. and it was oh. to be ah, uh-huh. um, and I was like, so it's wow. so it's to swing, and it's kind of like as if you've got a bit of a ooh, and it turned into something else that became a, a very Scottish word called Gallus, which kind of means like you got a bit of swing and you get a bit of. Gallus coolness okay. about it. Yeah, bit cool. Yeah. It's your fault that I don't know these things, Mum. I know, it's terrible. I'm having a feeling miserable. We're going to you. <laughs> you know some words, though. You yeah. do. You do, you do, you do. Do, yeah. you do. do you do a good Scottish accent? No. Do you know, it's only when I'm really angry about something or yes. if I've had a couple of drinks. <laughs> That's when I go full Scottish. Or I like if that. my friend, if I spend time with my friends from uh, from Dundee yeah then I go for <laughs> that's the same yeah because when I'm on the phone to my mum yeah yeah I get Scotland yeah absolutely oh we could probably talk to you oh you are fantastic but we have but our last question to I ask know, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. um, we ask all of our guests this um, about yes. their biggest fail regret and win so we'll start with fail I failed at ballet dancing. I, ba- so I did, did I. ballet dancing. So did I. I did ballet so did dancing I, for 12 years. Yeah. 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 So I did it for 12 years. Oh, wow. and, oh, okay. and, and I gave it up. I gave it up when I went to secondary school and I was being bullied because that was a thing. That was part of it as well as I used to say, because I used to have to go back into Glasgow to go to my dancing lessons twice a week. And people go, oh, look at you, you little snob, going to your dancing lessons. Because I always had to have my kit with me. Mm-hmm. And it's the only time, it's the only time I've ever given any peer pressure. And still to this day, it literally rubs me the wrong way. So mm-hmm. I failed, I failed in that as far as I'm concerned because I didn't stick with it. And, you know, I really, I did dream of being a ballet dancer. You would have been a good ballet dancer. <laughs> but then you got to dance the tango with Alan Rickman. Exactly. And you which know? I wouldn't have done. Which exactly. I wouldn't have, probably wouldn't have done if I had, uh, if I had Indeed. continued to do it. <laughs> I know. And what about regret? I don't regret anything. Excellent. Yay. I Excellent. don't I love regret that. a single part of my life. Wonderful. Nothing. And I hope I never do. I hope I never have to regret anything, but I don't regret anything. I love that. Absolutely love that. That's excellent. <laughs> yes. And finally, your win. Mm. I'm still here. Ah, yeah. You know what? Sure are. I've just had the number three album in the UK with, with, with High and it's been top 10 and loads of different territories, number one in some. And for me, I kind of just think, well, I'm winning. Mm. You know, I'm a 54-year-old woman and I think, wow, I've been making records since my first album came out in 1989 and I just think, I'm winning. 
you know, I'm, I'm winning every day because I'm still relevant, you know, I'm still relevant within the industry that I dreamt of being part of. Fantastic. What a brilliant answer. Yeah. I love it. Charlene, it's been a joy, an absolute joy. Oh, I can't thank, thank you, you enough. So much. Lenny, can't you thank know, you I enough. Love you a bit, so you're I you're loved, amazing. I love Chanty. It was <laughs> so lovely to meet you because, you, you know, I've seen you with your mom on TV bits and pieces, and it's just <laughs> lovely to have an actual chat with you.